As you may have guessed, I'm not following specifically a passage in Mark, following on from everybody else. Steve gave permission for a, a break, so um, we're having a bit of a break, although I am taking um, some passages through Mark. But before I bring the message that God's laid on my heart for today, I'm going to share with you a verse which I came across yesterday, because I believe I was meant to bring it, because someone may need it. I was reading in Exodus 33, Moses was having a conversation with God. In the midst of it, God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I couldn't help but think, maybe someone here today, someone watching needs to know that God is present and God will give you rest. Been mulling over this message for a few weeks since we've been coming together and I trust that uh, it comes through to you in a way that is helpful and challenging. The banquet, yes, and guess who is coming, if you like, guess who's coming to dinner. Jesus is holding a banquet. Let's have a look at the guest list. The man who suffered with leprosy. The man that had been paralysed and his four friends who brought him to Jesus. Levi or Matthew, a former tax collector. The man from the region of the Gerasenes, the one who had been demon-possessed and lived in the tombs. The woman who suffered the blood disorder. Jairus, one of the leaders of the synagogue. The woman from Syrophoenicia, Syrian Phoenicia. The man who had been blind, the man who had been mute. The one who lived by the pool of Beth Bethsaida. There'll be more guests, you can guess, if you go through the other Gospels as well. And they're all invited. Simon the leper. The family of the boy who was healed of the evil spirit. And possibly even a Pharisee. Can you imagine what the locals would be saying? Why on earth has Jesus invited them? The more I thought about this, the more I was personally challenged. And maybe the message is for me and you can just sit back and relax. I pray not. Have you ever stopped to spend where Jesus spent a lot of his time and the people he spent it with? The list of people that I just read out reminds me of the passage in Luke 4, where Jesus read out, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, said, Jesus said, He came to call the sick. They are the ones who need him. Does that mean we don't all need him? No. But he did come to reach out to the people who would be open to his love and grace. And they are often the people who are considered by the leaders of the community and the well-to-do as people who are undesirable, low social standing, people not very comfortable to be around. 
people with leprosy, people with physical disabilities, the lame, the blind and others seen as unclean. As I thought about it, I reflected on my own life, the life of the church in the Wangaratta community and in our own church. Where do I spend most of my time and my energy? Now, I want to just stop and make a comment here and build a little bit on what Steve said last week. When we come to face a challenge, it's very easy sometimes to feel guilty, inadequate, or to see it as a criticism. It's not. Let me give you an illustration. This week, Ruth and I celebrate 50 years of marriage. Yep, she was married. <laughs> I know, when you look at her, you know she was married when she was 14. <laughs> As a couple, we've been through the valleys, we've been on the mountaintop, we've had the hard times, we've had the good times, but we're still learning, even after all this time. We still want to do it better. We still want to love each other better. We still want to be a good testimony and light in the world. Our learning stops when we take our last breath. So too for us as a church. We're fairly new here, and I know that over decades, this church has been a wonderful example of people reaching out and God touching people through you. I've no doubt, even today, God are still being touched, people are being touched by God, and lives are being transformed. But we still seek to grow and to change and to become more of the people of God. If you like, brighter lights, tastier salt. Reflecting on the list of the people, who would be Matthew in our day? Well, our tax department is not always very popular, but nothing like what it was back then for Matthew. As a tax collector, he was despised by his own people and probably by the Romans as well because he was a Jewish civilian who turned on his own people. Maybe someone in our community might be a local businessman that we know of who's hard-nosed, not afraid to rip people off, maybe even some rumours about being connected to the underworld. One of the women who anointed Jesus, described as a sinful woman. We may not need to look too hard to find someone who's an equivalent in our society today who struggles in that situation. The Syrian Phoenician woman. This we might find anybody from outside Australia. Within our five local government areas here, we have over 50 different nationalities. This woman was seen by the locals as an outsider, but yet she had amazing wisdom and faith. Probably got told, why don't you go back where you belong? Sound familiar? I've heard people say it. Not to me, but to others. The, lie, the lame, the blind, and those with leprosy. Most of these people wouldn't have had homes, some had to live outside the city. They were not allowed to engage with the community. The woman who had a blood disorder had to keep herself away from other people. As I thought about it, I thought of not having homes and I was very grateful that we have people working in our town in a night shelter. 
helping people who are in situations that are very difficult. Sometimes people are victims of other people's decisions. It's a complex, complex issue. All of this fits in the context of us as a local church seeking the mind of God for the future, a visioning process. Who are we to be reaching out to? Where is to be the focus of our service? There are many needs. We may not see them all. But if you talk to people who are leaders in our local community, you'll discover the depth of need. Young people who need to be encouraged and supported have faced many unique challenges these last couple of years. Adults who are in extreme circumstances through sometimes their own decisions, sometimes through decisions of others. Family relationship and breakdown, family violence. How may we assist, may we assist in equipping help prevent the spread of family violence. I've been thinking about the challenge of working with offenders and also working in education to help support the prevention of this all too regular occurrence. Where are we as a church going to direct our energy, our time, our finances? Where is God leading us to? Let me share with you a story that I think um, is, is relevant to this situation. But before I do, I need to um, put a, a covering statement over the top so you don't jump to the wrong conclusion. This is not about us looking for a youth pastor. It's not connected. This is about a bigger picture. So don't make the wrong connection, please. Some years ago, we were involved in a, an eastern suburban church. Um, Ruth and I were involved in a coffee shop ministry. We were invited by an inner suburban church, a United Church, to go and talk to them about establishing a coffee shop. So we went along as a team and we met with them. When we got there, there's this is a bunch of lovely, lovely folk. Probably, I don't think there was anybody under the age of 50. They'd never done a coffee shop before. And they just desired to reach out to the local young people, which were not many in their surroundings. As we talked with them, we discovered they had just a wonderful heart. They're concerned about their church and its future, but they're very, very, very concerned about how they could reach out. I also had the opportunity to talk to their minister. During our conversation, I, uh, I discovered he was facing some rather unique challenges. He was also probably around what I am now, heading up towards 70. He had some physical disabilities. And in the year prior, he had conducted over 70 funerals. The team and I went back a second time to have a chat with them and to pray with them again. And I said to him, look, I just want to lay something before you that, that I believe God has, has put on my heart. I would encourage you to think about the ministry you have in supporting your minister. He is overwhelmed with work. He's dealing with all these families who are suffering grief and loss and he can't keep up I know you're concerned about your future of your church maybe just put it in God's hands we prayed with them and we left them to it when I remembered this incident it reminded me that we need to be open to seeing where God is directing us to 
I have, I've said to Steve a couple of times that I, I, I've envisioned us at this time coming together, bringing our thoughts, our prayers, ideas. We lay them all on this table out the front here. We take our hands off and say, okay, God, now it's up to you. One of the questions that raises for me, though, is how am I? How are we as the church perceived in the community? If we are going to make a difference, are people comfortable to be around us? I've been rereading a book by Philip Yancey um, called The Jesus I Never Knew. Very challenging book. And he goes through and he actually has a number of stories and, and um, examples of situations. I'm going to read one of them to you. I'll leave out some of the details that's not appropriate for this audience. One of Yancey's friends was holding a class and he says, I recounted a story told to me by this friend who works with the down and out in Chicago. A prostitute came to him in Wretched Straits, homeless, her health failing, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. My friend could hardly bear hearing the sordid details of her story. He sat in silence, not knowing what to say. At last, he asked if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure astonishment that crossed her face, he later told me. Church, she cried, why ever would I go there? That just made me feel even worse than I already do. Then he makes a comment, somehow we have created a community of respectability in the church. The down and out who flocked to Jesus when he lived on earth no longer feel welcome. How did Jesus, the only perfect person in history, manage to attract the notoriously imperfect? And what keeps us from following in his steps today? I find that incredibly challenging. Have we become a community where the people that perhaps are in the greatest need of the good news are not comfortable to be with us? As I reflected on Jesus' interaction with these people, I noted he offered love and acceptance first and then often convicted and directed them to a different way of life. For example, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the men brought to Jesus the woman accused, accused of adultery. He challenged the men and finally when they've gone, after he said, you who was out sin cast the first stone, they disappeared. Her response, his response to the lady was, I don't condemn you either. Go now and live your life of sin. I believe our task is to offer love, grace and acceptance and leave the convicting of sin to God. And that will always make a difference in the way I relate to people. As we seek to find the mind of God for us, like you, where to from here? Am I willing to be sent where God might want me to go? And I just don't mean physically, but in my walk with Jesus. Am I ready to walk with Jesus alongside the people he wants me to be with? Are we ready to answer the challenge of being more of the light and salt in our community? Are we prepared to walk alongside the members of our community who are seen by others as not very nice 
or respectable or frowned on. Are we ready to be welcoming the modern-day Pharisee who's also looking for a life to be changed? What barriers may we have inadvertently erected that created, creating a, an uncomfortable feeling for others around us? The good news is, where God is speaking to us, God equips. If God directs, God empowers. God has told us we all have different gifts. Now it's time for us to discover where those gifts need to be employed. We can't do it alone and we should never try. We're in it together and we're in it with God. He empowers us to respond to the needs of the world around us. He calls us to take the good news and the gospel of grace to them. We're in it together and together with God we can find a way through these challenges. Let's pray. Loving God, you have promised always to be with us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you that you have called us by your love and your grace. Thank you that you have offered us a life that has changed a life that is transformed into your likeness. God, we pray that we may be ready to face whatever you call us to do. May we be open to what you have to say to us, as tough as it may be. God, enable us to respond that indeed we will be known as the salt and the light of the world. Jesus, by your power and love, lead us, guide us, and help us to be your people each and every day. Amen.